Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want to go. But feel we have to because of our situation. As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out. Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families. And provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room. Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. I am Joe Holtz. And John Cox. Today we're joined by a special guest. It's my daughter, Anna. Annie. Uh, Anna's a junior at a local high school in the area, and we are going to talk about an important topic uh, that involves mental health. And we've alluded to that in the past few months. John and I have in different conversations about COVID and our own experiences Mm -hmm. and what we've been going through. Uh, But we want to talk a little bit more detail about that as well as an upcoming event that's in the area. But I'd like John to first lead us in a prayer. Sure. Okay. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all your gifts. We thank you for your divine Son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We ask that through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you illuminate our minds and our hearts to come to know you and to love you. And we ask in a special way through the intercession of St. Dimpha that we may have a blessed conversation and come to our deeper knowledge of how we can... Um, Come to our deeper knowledge of you, Lord, through our minds and intellects to know what is reality, to know what is truth, and to appreciate the truth always, especially in our own personal lives, that we can see you in our personal lives, intervening in our lives, and praise you and thank you for it. Uh, We ask all of these gifts through the intercession of St. Dimphna, Our Lady, Undoer of Knots, and of course, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, before we get to this week's topic, mm-hmm. I want to tell you, I listened to your podcast last week with you your did. wife. Oh, okay. I, I did listen. I listened to the whole podcast. You didn't I'm speak you any did. ill of me at all. I no. appreciate that. You didn't make fun of me at all. That's which because is me great. would have given me the dirty look. <laughs> you would have given you the glare. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Point the finger at me. But it was great. It was Good. well done. And Thank you. You know, I, I really loved all the helpful tips that you guys offered in the materials. I think yeah. that's really great. And I know some people have shared it on social media, Good. the the link for it. Good. So I hope that'll be helpful. I, you know, disappointed, as you know, that I wasn't a part of that conversation. Yeah, that's why we did it that week. No, <laughs> no, no. I guess our, our, our talking to ghosts so well and... and uh, if you want, we can do a birds and the bees part two, Joe. No, no, it's okay. We don't need to. But I'll just say this. Are you sure you don't know about the birds and the well, bees? Well, I do know about the birds. You know what? Anna can attest to my conversation about the birds and the bees if you want. But How did that conversation go, Anna? Birds and the bees conversation? <laughs> no, no. I, I know. I okay. Know it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was kind of just random. We were sitting in the car and you were like, so I'm going to talk to you about this. <laughs> So you were stuck in the car. I was stuck in the car. So it was probably as bad as my story with a light socket. In. Okay. But I didn't say like, here's the light socket. And here's the... We went into a little bit more detail. I, I feel like I, she can maybe say something different. I, I feel I've made a really a big effort to Good. talk to my kids about that topic, um, to make sure that they fully understood and that they felt comfortable to come to me. And I even remember times when my youngest came up to me and said, hey, so and so at school, their parents don't talk to about talk to them about this 
topic, but she has a question. This is her question. Can you answer this question? (laughs) (laughs) And so I would give her the information and she would bring it to school. Did you give her a brochure? (laughs) I know. I didn't have No pamphlets? I should have created one. It would have been great. Some propaganda (laughs) just to spread that news. But uh, no, but I I think it was an important topic. I'm glad. And, And it children are never too young to begin to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and obviously emphasizing the importance of the beauty of the body as you both talked about Mm -hmm. is really important. So I think that was well said. Thank you. Appreciate that. We did miss you. You're welcome. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I'm happy to to feel wanted. Well, it's, yeah, it's good to have you back. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. So I wanted to talk a little bit about mental health and next month, St. Raphael Counseling, who is a, they're a large counseling practice underneath the umbrella of the Archdiocese of Denver here in Colorado, they are hosting an inaugural mental health conference. So it's scheduled actually at our parish at St. Thomas More on Saturday, September 26th. And there is mass at 730, but the event begins 830 to 2 p.m. And right now they're open up for registration. Here's the great thing, because of covid Right, we're limited. We're There's still... something good about COVID. Well, the, well, no. wow, well, there is something I'm good actually. I'm, I'm ready to hear this. <laughs> you don't have to be from Colorado in order to participate or to, you know, watch or view these presentations. So if you register on St. Raphael's website, seventy people are going to get access to be able to come onto the property into the building because that's what we're limited in the school gymnasium. That's where it's going to be. But anyone else, afterwards, they're going to receive a link to all of the videos. Okay. So if you are in California, if you're in Florida, if you're on East, South, wherever, if you are in another country, I know we have some people from India that will watch this podcast. Actually, Ireland and... and oh, there you go. Norway. Woo, yes. <laughs> Represent <laughs> people. <laughs> Let us know who you are. We will give you a shout out on the air. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. If you want to register... And, and get these presentations, you can, and it's free. Free. And we like that word free, don't yeah. we? Because <laughs> not many things are free anymore, are they? No. No. Nothing. No. You just paid for homeschooling for your kids, and that was not free. No, it's not. And I just paid for college for my son, and that is not free. No, it's not. <laughs> so the, the conference, like I said, it's going to be here. But if you want to find out information, you can go to strafaelcounseling.com and click on the events tab, and it'll bring up this information. But here's why this is very important. And it is because at this conference, one of the talks, actually, myself and my daughter, Anna, we're going to be giving a talk, a little half-hour talk about our experiences with depression and suicide ideation. And this has been something that Anna and I have been going through for the past, can you believe it, three and a half years, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think we will, we want to share this story with all of you because there might be a connection that you have. Maybe there's something that you have been concerned about before or you've seen some warning signs and this might be an opportunity for you to have a conversation with those people closest to you. So I think it's important, Anna, Mm -hmm. that we just kind of began with a story a little bit about what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So do you want to talk about December of 2016? Mm -hmm. Cut. hate that month. So I was a competitive ice skater, and I was 
performing outside in December 2018, and I ended up, my skate got caught in the wall, and I fell backwards and hit my head on the pole two or three times, right? Well, you actually, you hit your head twice. You hit it on the edge, which would have been the pole, and then it, like, mm-hmm. bounced, if, if yeah. you can really bounce onto the <laughs> ice, and then you hit your head on the yeah. ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't black out, I don't no, think. You, you didn't, which was shocking because you hit it so hard. There was a gasp in the audience. And we and we all kind of like looked, but then you got back up and you finished your program. You know, thinking back though, I did fall a couple more times. So maybe I was like Oh, you dizzy. were definitely dizzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so after that, I got in the car. And I think if this is correct, it was a while ago. But I was like, my head hurts. Well, you, yeah, you said your head hurt at the ice rink. Uh, you said, you know, I'm getting a headache and, and I thought, you know, why don't we just go home? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you're feeling that well. And, and if I can just interject here for a moment, I don't know if anyone listening has had a child who's experienced a concussion. You know, yeah. we have never, Anna was the first child. She obviously sustained a serious concussion during this incident, but none of my kids have ever received a concussion besides Anna. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the warning signs were. I didn't study on that parents really do need to pay attention Mm -hmm. to these warning signs. Mm -hmm. I mean, a kid at the age of two can have a concussion, (laughs) you know, (laughs) any ages, right? So, yes, we got in the car and Anna had uh, begun to tell me that, you know, she wasn't feeling that well. She's feeling a little nauseous. She had a headache. So I just thought, let's take her home. She's, you know, hit her head. Let's take her home Mm -hmm. and, and let her just rest on the couch. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was in the afternoon. About I was, day. Yeah, I was making dinner. Yeah, I actually do remember you that. You do remember this. Yeah. Okay. So I I asked Anna a question. Anna came over to me in the kitchen. And do you remember your response? No. Okay. So <laughs> Anna um, just kind of looked at me with her eyes and like tilted her head. Like I, <laughs> like I was speaking in another language. She didn't understand anything that I was saying. <laughs> And, um, and then she tried to have a response back to me, but everything she said was like slurred and like garbled. Okay. She, she couldn't speak basically mm. back to me. I yeah. immediately just looked at my husband, my dad, and I said, we need to get to the hospital. Like something is not right. I, I was really concerned about the damage to her brain that this might be having. So we yeah. found out you had a concussion, right? Yeah. And you know, you had some other things too, right? Like a neck strain, a back strain, all these other yeah. weird things. So we treated the concussion. Yeah. Right, Anna? So Anna was in concussion therapy for about six months. It was a while, yeah. It was a long time. And um, there were a series of exercises, things that they did for the concussion. And we they part of the concussion, they, they evaluate also psychologically how you're doing and mm-hmm. emotionally. But here was the real challenge. When I look back, I'm like, how did we miss this? Because part of our story, Anna developed anxiety. Uh, well, it, it showed itself more. It was more prevalent after her concussion from the trauma she experienced with her brain. And we she had some signs early on that she might have been yeah. a little anxious or... Um, but definitely. Yeah. What, what was your perspective and on all this? What were you going through? I was, well, I like never experienced it in such a strong way before. Experienced what? The anxiety and depression. Okay. Cause once I got my concussion, it was like you said, more prevalent. And so it was definitely really scary because it just didn't feel normal. Okay. Like it felt like I had no idea what was going on. I was like, I didn't, 
I couldn't control my body. Okay. And so, so it was like a physiological thing as well. Yeah. And okay. so that caused even more anxiety because it's something that like I've never felt. Yeah. And it kind of spirated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they asked her questions, you know, how do you feel? And do you feel sad or, and Anna had short term memory loss. <laughs> so, so did you remember who she was? <laughs> yes, I did actually. Oh, okay. Short you term, like, not long term, uh, John. Say, no, I don't, <laughs> don't know who you are. I'm going out tonight. Bye. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to leave. No. She remembered where the keys were in, in your pocketbook, but it, she doesn't remember. It's so interesting because at the time they would say, how are you feeling? She's like, fine. Well, she couldn't remember like what just happened like five minutes ago. Hmm. You yeah. know, so like her, she couldn't really, uh, you know, share, I guess, all of her feelings and all of her emotions. Yeah. Because like she would then forget about them. And all the words that wanted to come out wouldn't come out because I couldn't figure out how to say so, them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you, I don't know. It just sounds like you're a guy or something. I don't know, because that's how I am. <laughs> I can't remember anything five minutes ago. You, uh, shouldn't, you shouldn't speak on behalf of all men because yeah. they might be really upset with they you. They might be. I'm sure if they're listening to this. Five, yeah, just, I don't know. It sounds like me. <laughs> so, you know, after she finished her concussion therapy, mm-hmm. we thought that we were good. Yeah. Right? Right. And uh, that's when things like started to change a lot yeah. for Anna. So Anna, maybe do you want to take it from here? I can try. Some things that you started to notice yeah, with yourself. So the anxiety and depression kept on persisting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that once I finished the concussion therapy, it would just go away. But it didn't. And um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> what are some feelings that you were having? At school. Um, um, so what were some of the triggers? Well, I was having trouble with friends at the time. Okay. As well. And before then, before my concussion. And so things that didn't seem to be as big of a problem before my concussion seemed like the biggest problem in the world. And so problems with friends, um, problems in the family, not that there were any but like one simple argument, I would think that the world was over. Mm. And so pretty much anything that normally wouldn't bother somebody started to bother me. Mm. So things that kind of rolled off your back don't roll yeah. off your back anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Anna used to be the most lighthearted, yeah. roll off the back kind of person. But yep. everything bothered her. Um, you right. started spending more time alone. Yeah. yeah. So continue. Definitely. Yeah, go ahead and continue. I started spending more time alone. I started turning to electronics. Um. I would get invited places and I didn't want to go because I was scared and I was like, well, they're just inviting me because they see that I'm alone. Yeah. And so <laughs> you would think of all the negative things. Yeah. I, I, everything was negative for me. Mm-hmm. So even like something that was super good or positive, I would just think of the bad side of it. Okay. So everything kind of just switched once I got my concussion Okay. from like positive to negative and all I could see was negative. Okay. Yeah. So would you, would you say that the concussion changed your personality? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And we even noticed that too. You know, the bubbly daughter we had was no longer the bubbly daughter. And from a parent's perspective, we saw her starting to isolate herself. We saw that she was sad. Right. She wasn't joking around, having, you know, jokes. She was wanting to sleep a lot. So, the, so, so not to play devil's advocate, yeah. but how is this different from other teens who did not have a concussion because i can see a lot of teens teen changing their personality stuff like that so would you say it's the concussion or just part of the concussion and 
well, just being a teenager. I know that a lot of teenagers do do this, <laughs> but the concussion definitely changed me for sure. Okay. Because, like we said before, I was not like this at all. And right. What age was I when I got my concussion? Twelve. 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 Okay. So and I how mean, old are I you guess now? I'm sixteen. Okay. So I mean, I guess that kind of is in like the yeah. teenage years. And you but, know. To go along with your questions, John, mm -hmm. that's why we just we dismissed it. Okay, Marty mm -hmm. and I completely dismissed like all of these warning signs that we were saying. Oh, she's just become. This is what teenagers are. Right. This is what they do. Yeah. You know, just I'll try to engage her, try to get her to do some things, try to monitor her phone, try to not have her on her phone that much. Right. Uh, try to get her to go out with her friends so she's not stuck at home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We thought of these things, but it started to take a really quick turn for the worse. Okay. There was a huge snowball that happened right at about February, March, where it got incredibly bad. Right. Um, and this was right before you went to therapy. Do you remember? No. So at this time, um, Anna's fears, her fears really were exacerbated. Oh, yes. So mm -hmm. what were some of the fears? So I could not stand in my room. Really? I had to stand in, if, if this is correct, I had to stand in the corner because I was scared that the floor was going to fall. Okay. And, and that so like, sounds serious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so like I couldn't walk up the stairs, barely. Um, I couldn't go in the kitchen. Because I was scared of the knives. Mm -hmm. um, or what you might do your, do to yourself with the knives. Yeah, you, okay. yeah exactly. Um, pretty much any room that had heavy furniture in it, I was completely terrified that even if I touched it, like the entire house would fall down. Wow. And um, what else was there? Yeah, I've been pretty so, much said so, that she didn't want to get into a bathtub. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so when you were having those thoughts, I mean, like, did you know in the back of your head, like, I know this is irrational, but I can't help thinking that way or? No, it just completely passed my mind. Huh? Like so anxiety you, so completely took me over. So you were thinking this is totally rational thinking yeah. this way. Okay. <laughs> and like now looking back, like I know it's not. Yeah. But at the time when you're going through it, it's mm -hmm. like, it seems so real. Yeah. No, I, I struggled with the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, we started to think when she was expressing, I'm afraid the, the floor is going to fall in, you know, this is too much weight, I would start to rationalize with her. I would look up engineering, oh, what yeah. weight, what weight, what poundage can be on the second floor of the <laughs> yeah. house, what pound is, how much does the tub weigh, how much do you weigh, do you see how like this can't fall through from right. an engineering standpoint? That, that's all that I had, you right. know, and praying with her. Like yeah. I would try to pray with her and many times the, the prayers would help. Right. Yeah. The prayers have always helped me. Yeah. Would you say like the electronics were there to kind of sedate that so you wouldn't have to think about those things? That's kind of what I use them for. Yeah. But it was definitely not a good resource. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you just want to do anything but, but think yeah. about that. Yeah. Because it drove you nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, we, we put her into some therapy. We went to a marriage and family therapist mm -hmm. from our church, mm -hmm. um, Jenny. And uh, Jenny started to work with us. And that was the first time that we realized that Anna um, had a suicide plan. Wow. So we didn't think... I thought that she was just kind of like afraid of the knives. Mm -hmm. I thought that she was just, you know, it's just teenager anxieties. You know, everybody's starting to talk about this. Things are happening around in our area. You know, I didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And then when the therapist asked her, do you have a plan? And Anna responded, yes, I have a plan. Mm -hmm. And she said, what's your plan? And yeah. Anna unfolded and laid out the entire plan that she had. Yeah. I mean, it brought me to tears. 
brought me I, to tears too. <laughs> yeah, I thought, how how could I miss this? You know, I, I work for the church. Yeah, I work in family life. Uh, I have a good relationship with my daughter. Mm-hmm. How can I miss this? Well, it's kind of like we were saying last week, Manny and I were talking about like we're always the last ones to know. Like every time yeah. we think something's okay, that's why I'm scared the most, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like when our family's going well and everything's smooth, I'm terrified because I'm like, I'm missing something. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some of the things that Anna shared at the time was that she just didn't feel that people desired her. Mm. She didn't feel that she was wanted or loved. Loved. Yeah. I mean, she knew that our family loved her, but yeah. uh, life was more important for more other people to love her too, instead of just her family. Mm. And it wasn't um, enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of it came with not loving myself either. And you had an experience. Do you want to talk about that in adoration at school? I I might remember this. Yeah. My memory is still terrible <laughs> during the whole process. Um, I'll try. So I was, no, this was freshman year. Yeah. 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 So freshman year, um, we went to adoration at school. And pretty much we were all kneeling down. And, you know, I don't remember. That's <laughs> literally all that I remember. <laughs> My memory's well, terrible. Well, you, you had, I, I'm glad you wrote this down and it's at home. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it down. But what you had told me was that you were, you were praying and you were just asking God to help you because like this is just, it's too much for you. You couldn't, you're having a difficult time controlling anything. And we talk about this love and my identity and who I am. And you're like, help me. I just, I need help. I don't, I don't feel like I belong here and I should be here anymore. Yeah. And then I, I started to like see images in my Mm. mind. And what I saw was like, I was in heaven Mm. and I saw like people everywhere. It was kind of like a big church and like everyone was like, I was standing at the door and everybody was turned around looking at me and like at the end of like the little aisle was my friend who killed himself mm. and then my grandma um my aunt was there and then i saw god and so pretty much at that moment like i started crying at school because i was like oh my gosh and everyone was smiling and they were welcoming me and there was like a glass floor mm. and like there are people looking up at me from below and so it was just like i felt so much love at the time because everyone was welcoming welcoming me and like yeah. Yeah. And do you remember what he care. told, do you remember what he told you, what you heard God tell you at that time? I, th- no. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. No, I, I don't If I remember, if I remember correctly, he told you, we, we all love you. We can't wait for you to be here, but it's not your time. Yeah. And yeah, I brought you to tears. I remember picking you up from school and you're like, you won't believe what happened. You know, I, I think that was a turning point from you where you finally were trying to actively stop yourself mm-hmm. from self-harm. Yeah. To, to harm yourself and to to do something more serious. Obviously, you know, we've walked this entire journey with a licensed therapist. This is not something that Anna and I or her father, we did on our own by ourselves, but it was definitely something that we, we sought help for. Yeah. And um, so prayer has been you know, a big part of your, your journey. Yeah, it's been what very other important, what other things have been helpful to you? Just in having this journey? someone to talk to having you and dad, mostly you. Cause you know, I know that you've been through a lot of the same stuff, right? Well, I mean, I, I've experienced depression yeah. before. You know? And so like, also just like girl to girl, like it's easier for me to like 
vocalize with you yeah. on that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so having you guys to talk to, having the tools that my therapist gave me, mm-hmm. those helped a lot. Um, church, going to church was a very big part because if I remember correctly, I like also couldn't stand in the church. Was that about this time? Yeah, that was the second round. So, you know, we we went through with the therapist the first round, had our sessions. Yeah. We felt that you graduated from the program. You were good. Then you regressed mm-hmm. the next year. We fell back again. Yeah. And so we had to go back. And when we were going back in the second time, going into the church was hard for Anna. Yeah. She couldn't be in the church that much, but, um, you know, we had to work through some more tools also from uh-huh. the the therapist to, to get all of that as well. Mm-hmm. But what would you, if you could give some advice, maybe to, if a teen is listening yeah. right now or to a parent, what would you say? Just knowing, and I guess we should preface this by saying that, you know, Anna is doing well mm-hmm. today, yeah. right, Anna? Um, she doesn't have any more desires for mm-hmm for self-harm um she still you know occasionally will see her therapist to check in yeah but i mean would you say that you are healed and you've yeah for sure yeah so what advice would you say to anybody listening yeah i mean i know that thinking that there's hope is hard but you have to try to look down the road and see like how much potential you have in your life and you have to kind of plan out your way in a way that you see yourself going somewhere and you realize that your life is important and that there are things that you can do with your life. Um, And just having someone to talk to, even if you don't want to open up, um, opening up to somebody, anybody. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was in a community, religious community. And I remember one of the brothers saying um, how much of, people in the community were getting therapy mm-hmm. and he would just say, if they just had a friend, they probably wouldn't need all this yeah. therapy. That's right. Um, because I think that's the biggest problem is in people are just being isolated. And it's part of our human nature. Like we have to confess, we have to talk. The more we keep it on the inside, the worse it gets. And we have this facade of saying, we got to be okay on the outside and look great on the outside when everyone's totally broken and hurting on the inside. Yeah. So, Right. And I think if I had a message, I would say church, <laughs> church, oh, yeah, like that's all very of, important. Uh, well, I would say all of you people out there, um, you, we have got to find a way to be more vulnerable and to open up to people. I think, and I think this is why adoration is important because I know for me, when I was a teenager struggling with depression and everything else, I, you know, trying to talk about these things was hard with mm-hmm. friends so for me, it was always good going to adoration because I can talk to Jesus in adoration. Yeah. You know, so even though I'm, I knew no one would hear me or listen to me, um, or I couldn't have an honest conversation with anyone because I felt alone, I knew I was, I can have that conversation in the in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of a very pivotal point mm. in my, like, religious transformation because now I turn to my faith for everything. And there are times where I'll just drive to the church and I'll just sit there. Good. Um, so, yeah. So definitely relying on your faith. Yeah. And, and asking for help. Yeah. Asking for help. <clears throat> and I know now you have conversations with even friends. I think you've been more yeah. open with people at school. Yeah. Uh, would you say that there are people know yeah, about, sure. yeah, about your journey? And what has that done for 
for, for, me, o- for, or others. for others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, other people know that they can rely on me because they know that I've been through it. And so they come to me to talk about it. And I, of course, try to help them as best that I can. But I also encourage them to get help from others. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. So a lot of people come to me asking me for advice, asking me what to do because they know that I have been through it. And yeah. Yeah, to get help, which is really nice. And uh, that you're able to be a friend to other people. Yeah. And I think you've more importantly have realized that your worth does not come from friends and those other people that surround you, but mm-hmm. your worth really comes from your relationship with Jesus and, yeah. um, and in your faith and yeah. who you are. Yeah. I think that's the hard part when teenage years, you're constantly being told you have to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, it's a failure. So it's like an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Either you go to high school, you get straight A's or sports or whatever, go to college and only going through college, you'll get a great job. And, and, you know, you get a great job and then, and then, <laughs> then after that, you'll be happy. And it's, I think it's the biggest lie. I think yeah. we've been fed in our generation, this lie of you can't be happy until later on. If you don't do these steps, you won't be happy. That's right. Um, I've been telling a lot of people lately, even my own, with my own kids, you know, like we're trying to homeschool this year and everything, and we're not doing things the normal way, like most people I think now. And I think my attitude now with my children is just, I pray for their vocation. You know, I know I don't care if they go to college. I don't care what they do. My only, my only thing I care is that they live a life of holiness and that's, and they're happy. Right. Um, I think that's the most important thing and that they can be happy today, that they don't have to do all these things and check all these things off the list to be happy today and that there is a future and, and we don't know what it is. And it is scary because I think that's what happens is when you struggle with anxiety, you have that tunnel vision, like of my anxiety issues, everything becomes that tunnel vision. And the only way out is death. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's death and that's the devil telling us that the only way out is death. Um, and you can't see anything else. And that's why it's good to have friends and talk to other people because they can open up that tunnel vision so you can see other things. But yeah, I've been there. When you're in that tunnel vision, you can't see anything else. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get out of it. Like even times Mandy would have to talk me out of situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as rational as she was, I'm like, you're wrong. And mm-hmm. I, that's the hardest part. And I knew in the back of my mind, I'm being totally irrational, but it doesn't matter because it's that physiological aspect and the things I've struggled in life as well. Um, so I think that's important is you know, for my kids, I just want them to be holy. I want, if they get married, I hope they find a good husband. If they become a nun, become a nun what, <laughs> or a priest or whatever God's calling them to be. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's the most important thing is to see that life is not over when you make mistakes and that God can fix anything. I look at yeah. my life. I didn't go to college till I was 21 because I didn't know what I was doing in my life. I was failing, failing everything. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, for sharing that. And Anna, thank you for being so bold enough to share your story. And for all those people who are listening right now, I think that this is a great invitation for you to make sure that you are developing relationships with other people around you. So there is a foundation for them to share when they're struggling so that you can give them the help that they need. But also, if you are struggling yourself, know that there is hope and that we would love to pray for you. Um, but please reach out to all the resources, if not from your own church, from a therapist, a friend, just someone else who can offer you that support. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think we have a list of therapists. If you call the parish here, St. Thomas More, 
we can give you counselors and good counselors will give you good counseling and things like that. And St. Raphael, I think you mentioned was one of them. So Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we pray for you uh, and your families always. And please let us know if there's any way that we can serve you. Thank you for listening to Stuck in the Cry Room. Mm-hmm.